This is just to say, I have taken the Horcrux that was in the potion, and which you were probably using to achieve immortality. Forgive me. I intend to destroy it. It's so dark, and so cursed. You're listening to the Quibbler Podcast, the Harry Potter book club for poets. You dare use my own spells against me, Potter. It was I who invented them. I, the Half-Blood Prince. And you'd turn my inventions on me like your filthy father, would you? I don't think so. Kill me, then. Kill me like you killed him, you coward. Don't call me coward! I'm Heather Price, right? And I'm Alex Dallenberg. And that was William Carlos Williams. It was super not. If you were extremely <laughs> online, I tweeted a William Carlos Williams tweet, poem tweet about like the Trump Tower real estate deal. And my dad thought it was highly original. <laughs> you didn't have the heart to tell him he, that he, like, that's responded like... To it. He's like, this is a genius parody of William Carlos Williams. Oh my God. And you were like, dad, this is such a meme. It's like, dad, this is... There's actually a bot that retweeted it. It can like tell if you're doing the William Carlos Williams tweet, and uh, it retweeted that. So uh, we should tweet this as the quibbler, and it will certainly. Anyway, as you have no doubt realized, we are continuing to read Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. And this week we are reading the chapters called The Lightning Struck Tower and Flight of the Prince. And it all goes down. Boy, oh boy. So you're going to hear, like, the spoiler. Um, <laughs> to end all spoilers. To the extent that, as you may have noticed, there is the spoiler to end all spoilers in the episode title. So, but is, honestly... Is that kosher? Uh, if you have been alive and interacted even a little bit with the existence of Harry Potter and you don't know that Snape kills Dumbledore, like, that's on you, right? This is like not knowing that Darth Vader is Luke's father. If you don't know that, that's not on us. That's on you. That's having just refused to pay attention to major pop culture artifacts for decades. And I can't help you with that. So yeah, Snape kills Dumbledore. It's in the episode title. It's about to happen. And if you didn't already know that, that's just not my fault. So there will also be cursing. Perhaps there is cursing coming from you currently at me for the callousness with which I am continuing to say Snape kills Dumbledore. What if you were 77 episodes into the Quibbler podcast and you didn't know that? Or... Wait, you couldn't possibly because we've discussed that. we've said it before. Yeah. The only chance that this spoils it for anybody who didn't already know it is somebody is randomly, is randomly like scrolling through our episodes and sees the episode title and is like god damn it well then again that's not our problem (laughs) that's you just not paying attention to culture a.o scott says the uh, new york times film critic a.o scott says that uh spoilers are actually our most heavily policed form of speech it's true you can you get in more trouble for like game of thrones spoilers than epithets or like incitement yeah (laughs) actual incitement i think that's true I mean, you know, jury's out on whether spoilers count as incitement. Did you see there's a great, I mean, it's really awful if you were this guy or his family, but it's a hilarious news story. There are the two scientists, the two Russian scientists in Antarctica, and one of them stabbed the other almost to death because he kept revealing the ends of books that the guy was reading. They had like a fairly limited library at this like research station in Antarctica, and the guy was reading like fucking Anna Karenina or something. And he was like, oh, well, I'm not going to spoil God, Anna Karenina. God, so Russian. But yeah, so the one guy like tried to kill the other. He stabbed him. And was it like a subtle spoiler? Was he like, hey, sorry to break your train of thought, but I'm going to take out me spoiling Anna Karenina because I don't want to get stabbed by a Russian. <laughs> Russians have all read Anna Karenina. I think the Russian who got stabbed was like, bro. You should have read this by now. But should, no. Should but that be our next podcast? I guess I would love to do Anna Karenina. I think doing Russian novels would be really fun. But it wasn't just one. It was like he had spoiled the endings. He had spoiled the endings of multiple books for this guy. And finally he hauled off and stabbed him. Wow. So don't do that to us. 
don't come at us. Please, uh, please don't stab us. Snape kills Dumbledore. You will also hear some adult themes. This week's adult themes are false advertising, cold feet, dances with wolves, confirmation bias, and murder most foul. Alex, other than Snape kills Dumbledore, what happened this week? I mean, frankly, not much happens besides that. This it's week, true. What happened? Big, you know, that's a big moment in these books. Um, Okay. In this week's chapters, for one thing, there will be no musical recap. Uh, we're back to your ordinarily scheduled programming of me mumbling and stuttering my way through through Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. But in this week's chapters, Harry and Dumbledore apparate back to Hogsmeade after their harrowing trip through the cave with Infernal Gallop stuck in their heads. So they're back outside the three broomsticks. Dumbledore tells Harry that he needs Severus. Madame Rosmerta runs out and tells them that the Dark Mark has been cast over Hogwarts above the Astronomy Tower. So shit has gone down while they were on their cursed spelunking trip. Dumbledore and Harry borrow two brooms from Madame Rosmerta and fly to the top of the Astronomy Tower. Once there, Dumbledore tells Harry to wake Severus and go under cover of the Invisibility Cloak. But before Harry can leave, Draco bursts through the door and disarms Dumbledore using Expelliarmus, a moment that shall become very important later. So write this down. Um, basically, the whole plot of the books hinges on that sentence. Oh, yeah! Yeah! Oh my god, I forgot! This is the rolling loophole. Holy shit, it's the Elder Wand. Uh-huh. Oh, no. I completely forgot about that. Wait, that <laughs> is dumb. Dumb? Yeah, maybe. Well, this we will discuss. Is this will dumb. be discussed at length later. Wait, because then the wand, like, belongs to Draco and not Voldemort, right? Yeah. That is dumb. <laughs> I love how... The podcasts for these last two books have mostly been us just saying, oh my god, yeah, that happens. Has it? A little bit. Okay. <laughs> like, oh shit. It's because there is a fuck ton of plot. Forgot that happens. Um, Harry, meanwhile, is frozen in place by a full body bind curse, which has been wordlessly placed on him by Dumbledore, leaving him unable to intervene in the scene that follows. Dumbledore and Draco proceed to have a conversation in which Dumbledore is being super polite and casual, because that's his deal when shit goes down. I like that Dumbledore's crisis management strategy is to, like, kick into cocktail chatter mode. <laughs> uh, I find that incredible. If he still had his wand, he probably would have created two squashy armchairs for them to just sit and hash this out. But alas, the Elder Wand is now in the fucking bushes somewhere. Draco reveals to Dumbledore that there are Death Eaters in the school and that he let them in by fixing the an old vanishing cabinet that was in the Room of Requirement that he figured out connects to the one that's in Borgen and Burks. Dumbledore keeps Draco talking. He says, Dumbledore tells Draco that he's not a killer and that he can help the Malfoy family and by hiding them. And basically he knows everything Draco has been up to all year, but that he hasn't intervened because he doesn't want Voldemort to kill him. And also that Snape has been watching him. Draco says, aha, you're wrong. Snape is a double agent. He's actually working for us. Dumbledore says, I trust Severus Snape completely. Also, it turns out Draco used the Imperious Curse on Rosmerta, which is how he slipped the cursed necklace to Katie Bell in the Three Broomsticks and poisoned the mead that was given to Slughorn, but intended for Dumbledore, and that he cribbed most of his ideas from Hermione. So, wow, that is such a, like, privileged Slytherin thing to do. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's a raging battle going downstairs between the Death Eaters and the members of the Order of the Phoenix and Dumbledore army and somebody is dead Draco says because he stepped over their body a member of the order but he's not sure who eventually they're joined on the tower by the Death Eaters including Fenrir Greyback who you might remember is the werewolf that transformed Lupin into 
a werewolf. Even though he's in human form, he's all covered, his mouth is covered in blood because he's developed a taste for human flesh. So, ew. The Death Eaters urge Draco to finish the job, but Draco is wavering. His Have you actually hand... said what Draco's job is? Oh, no. <laughs> Draco's job was to assassinate Albus Dumbledore. He's been assigned by Lord Voldemort. Yes. A uh, big reveal there. Um, wow. I guess, I guess I just figured people would... Know that? Know that? Should I, like, go back and put that in? No, I think we should leave this how it is, because it's hilarious. <laughs> yes. Malfoy's there to kill Dumbledore. Dumbledore says... Don't. You're, I don't think you're going to do this, man. Killing is not as easy as the innocent believe. It's pretty profound Dumbledore line. Dumbledore, still dropping knowledge, even though he's clearly ailing. Oh yeah, this whole time he's like slipping down the ramparts. It's actually very Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, he's uh... You know when Gaston kills the, or tries to kill the Beast? <sighs> That's what it's reminding me of, that confrontation. That part's intense. Um, Not as intense as this part. No, this part's more intense. So anyway, the Death Eaters urge Draco to finish his mission of killing Dumbledore because they've been instructed that only Draco can do it. Finally, Snape busts through a door and comes onto the top of the tower. He sweeps aside the other Death Eaters and approaches Dumbledore, who says to him in a pleading voice, Severus, please. And then, but 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 motherfucking Snape kills Dumbledore! <laughs> With a look of hatred and revulsion in his face, he casts a Vodakadavra, sending Dumbledore flying over the ramparts, plunging toward the valley floor. It's in a valley, right? I don't know. I don't know. It's surrounded by mountains. I don't know the Hogwarts topography. There's a lake. Um, <laughs> Harry, who is immediately unfrozen by Dumbledore's death, chases after Snape and Draco through the raging battle below where McGonagall, etc. are dueling the various Death Eaters. There's hexes flying everywhere. It's, um, it's intense. Harry catches up with Snape. Snake. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Harry catches up with Snape. <laughs> Snake and Draco. Uh, Snake and Draco. We, we cannot do another one of these sequences <laughs> where we're just spoonerisming the names or whatever. Uh, the Adventures of Snake and Draco. Snake and, and Jean and Dinny. Uh, Harry catches up with Snape and Draco on the outside on the school grounds where he also where Hagrid is also battling the Death Eaters. Somebody sets Hagrid's cabin on fire with Fang inside. What the fuck? It's okay. Fang survives. No animals were harmed in the making of these books, except for fucking Nagini. And fucking Hedwig. And Excuse oh yeah, never me. mind. Actually, many animals were. Animals. A bunch of bow truckles get their shit wrecked in this yeah, chapter. Yeah, the bow truckles are incinerated. Never mind. Many animals were harmed Just in the making not of Fang. these books. But Fang survives miraculously. Although I'm sure J.K. Rowling has tweeted that she's like, actually, I was intended for Fang to die, but I just forgot to like put it in there or something. Uh, also, Fang is all right. <laughs> uh, no, Fang would never be that. Fang's a good boy. Fang's a very good boy. I'm sure in Fantastic Beasts, he's going to turn out to be an Animagus or some bullshit, but whatever. No. Like, this is the secret of Fang. The secret of Fang is a good title. <laughs> Harry duels Snape, who effortlessly parries his attacks. Harry is then hit from behind with the Cruciatus Curse from another Death Eater, but Snape calls them off and says Harry Potter is supposed to be left to the Dark Lord only. Harry then tries to curse Snape with Sectum Sempra and Levy Corpus, but Snape again blocks him and says, How dare you use my own spells against me? That's right, Snape says. I'm the bu 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 motherfucking half-blood prince. Kill me then, says Harry, like you killed him, you coward. Snape then shrieks, don't call me a coward, and blasts Harry backward with some kind of curse. Buckbeak fucking flies out of the sky and attacks Snape, who manages to escape outside the castle grounds and disapparate. 
Hagrid finds Harry and asks him if he's alright. Harry's like, I, does it fucking look like I'm alright? Uh, I don't actually remember their dialogue here. They put the flames out on Hagrid's house using Aguamente. Hagrid says, don't worry, this isn't anything Dumbledore won't be able to set right. Harry says, uh, dude, I've got bad news for you. Snape killed Dumbledore. Hagrid is like, please, Harry, dude, no spoilers. <laughs> uh, seriously though, Hagrid doesn't believe it until they come upon a crowd gathering outside of the school at the bottom of the astronomy tower where they find Albus Dumbledore lying, broken, and bloodied. Harry straightens the glasses on Dumbledore's face and leaning by Dumbledore's body, he finds the locket, but it doesn't quite look the way it should. It's not Slytherin's locket. It's just some fucking generic locket from like, I don't Wizard Claire's or whatever. <laughs> uh... It's open with a message inside, which says, To the Dark Lord, I know I will be dead long before you read this, but I want you to know that it was I who discovered your secrets. I have stolen the real Horcrux and intend to destroy it as soon as I can. I face death in the hope that when you meet your match, you will be mortal once more. Signed, R.A.B. So, who knows what that stands for? What could R.A.B. stand for? Ruth. A. Binsberg. <laughs> so Harry realizes that their whole fucking trip to Nightmare Town was for nothing. Fang starts to howl, and we don't have Albus Dumbledore to kick around any longer. And that's what happens in this week's chapters. Heather? What? What did Dumbledore say when Snape tried to take his picture? What? Severus. Cheese. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, that was good. Did you make that up? I did make that up. You're good at jokes. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I can't believe we're laughing because we holy laugh shit. so that we don't cry. I did cry. You didn't cry. I didn't cry. I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming, too. I had emotionally prepared myself for this moment. We've got a problem, Snape, said the lumpy amicus whose eyes and wand were fixed alike upon Dumbledore. The boy doesn't seem able. But somebody else had spoken Snape's name quite softly. Severus. The sound frightened Harry beyond anything he had experienced all evening. For the first time, Dumbledore was pleading. Snape said nothing, but walked forward and pushed Malfoy roughly out of the way. The three Death Eaters fell back without a word. Even the werewolf seemed cowed. Snape gazed for a moment at Dumbledore, and there was revulsion and hatred etched in the harsh lines of his face. Severus, please. Snape raised his wand and pointed it directly at Dumbledore. Avada Kedavra. So I do want to talk about our emotional reaction to this moment, because we have by virtue of this project we have taken on, given ourselves a certain amount of psychic distance from these books, I would say. They are not landing with me the same way they land when I'm reading them just for fun and pleasure and the thrill of it. Because we have taken this sort of, I don't know, we've put on our like skeptical glasses to read these texts. So I didn't expect to have a particularly strong reaction, but I was shaking reading these chapters. And Alex can attest, I was sitting in the couch, I was sitting on the couch going, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh my god, it's so bad, oh my god, oh fuck. This is extremely intense and a testament to J.K. Rowling that you can have read these books dozens of times. You can be reading these books in order to pull them to shreds, as we are, and still be like, holy shit, Snape killed Dumbledore, what am I going to do? It's a cracking scene. Like rending of garments, tearing of hair, gnashing of teeth, upset. Uh, do you remember when you first read this? Uh, well, yeah, but when I first read this, I already knew that Snape was going to kill Dumbledore because it had been spoiled for me. Oh, that's awful. What happened? So, well, actually, this is a funny story. So I finally decided to read the Harry Potter books while I was working at a summer camp. 
I'm sure we've we've discussed this on the pod, but I kind of avoided reading them when they were first coming out. Uh, so I had made it up to like Goblet of Fire and was working my way through the early parts of Order of the Phoenix when Half Blood Prince came out, and like three days after Half Blood Prince came out, oh yeah, it was a big deal. Everybody had to like drive in from camp to like go buy Half Blood Prince. But anyway, I was still reading Order of the Phoenix, trying to catch up so that I could read Half Blood Prince. And my little sister called me at camp and said, oh my God, I just finished reading Half-Blood Prince. You'll never believe what happens. And I'm like, no, don't tell me what happens. I'm reading Order of the Phoenix. And she just said, she didn't even like tease it out. She just like, once I said, don't tell me, she just said, Snape kills Dumbledore. Holy shit. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I just stopped reading Order of the Phoenix and didn't pick these books up again for, I think, four years wow like three or four years i was like fuck this she like truly almost ruined harry potter for you (laughs) damn she was like sorry i know you don't care that much i was like i was starting to care (laughs) she's like you don't even like these books oh my god now you do yeah so anyway thanks sarah uh but do you i don't know did it still hit you (laughs) did it hit me um so when I finally decided to read them again... Did you start from the beginning? Yeah, I started from the beginning and read them all through while I was doing this weird, like, security job. I was, like, guarding power cables in Phoenix, Arizona to stop, like, scrap scavengers from, like, taking them. Uh, it was a really weird job, which mostly involved sitting in lawn chairs in, like, 100-degree heat in various neighborhoods. Anyway, yeah, I read them all. I read them. I just like binged Harry Potter for however long it took me to read them. I'm not a very fast reader. And it was still like an effective scene, I think. I was satisfied by the way it went down. Also, I hadn't read, I did not know it was going to happen in Deathly Hallows because Deathly Hallows had just come out when I finally decided to go ahead and read the whole series. Sorry, I was wrong. I finally read the books two years later when Deathly Hallows came out. So. But I still stopped. Yeah. But anyway, I didn't know what would, I didn't know what was going to happen in Deathly Hallows, so I didn't know if Snape was going to be good or bad. You know. So I mean, it's still the ambiguity of it still landed for me, and I thought it was a really good climax because this is sort of a low key book. This book sort of operates at a more not leisurely pace. Um, but like less frenzied. Yeah, this is a less frenzied book than Order of the Phoenix. And then it has this really epic conclusion. Yeah, this is one of the great plot twists of kind of modern culture. Like pop culture, yeah. I would say. I mean, this is a Luke, I am your father moment. I mean, I'm not a huge Star Wars fan. So I think this is even more epic well i think so because i mean you know there'd only been star wars before luke i am your father right this has way more build there's up. six books behind this moment it's true and snape is this center of moral ambiguity and so seeing this is so truly flooring but i do remember and i'm curious how you felt because you just talked about that ambiguity i remember knowing instantly that there was some reason that Snape was supposed to kill Dumbledore and that Snape was going to turn out a good guy. I think I I believed that deeply in my heart. Why did you believe that? Because it was too easy to kill Dumbledore. Dumbledore going down without a fight to me said that Dumbledore had a hand in how this went down. And when he says Severus, please, it's so deliberately ambiguous that I was like, oh, that shit has a double meaning. This is such a JK Rowling moment. Mm. Oh, I... 100% believed that Snape was going to be vindicated. I think I was 85% sure that Snape was still going to turn out to be a good guy or possibly come back to the good side in the next book. We'd spent too much time building Snape up to just have him be like... Just a Death Eater. A B-villain to Lord Voldemort. Like I knew... I definitely had a sense that there was going to be more to the Snape arc and who probably... If he wasn't acting under orders from Dumbledore, that he would probably come, like, back to the good side. In that scene, I just, and I really do remember having this reaction. So I, I, 
I'm pretty sure my current knowledge isn't coloring this. I remember being very convinced that Dumbledore was pleading for Snape to kill him. Mm. That that's what Severus Please meant. Yeah. And obviously I didn't know why, but I do think the ambiguity of that last, of those last words is genius. But I remember interpreting it as, oh, this was something that Dumbledore wanted Snape to do for some reason and Snape was fulfilling a a wish of Dumbledore's. Did you have any idea why Dumbledore might have wanted that at the time? I can't remember what I thought. I mean I think I had some mishmash of what ends up being like close to the truth. I didn't know the Lily thing at all. Right. But I think I assumed it was like to prove his loyalty to the Dark Lord because he needed to go even deeper undercover or something like that. Or that he didn't want to be turned over to Voldemort or something. Yeah, and I also, okay, just Dumbledore's death is so heavily foreshadowed in this book. Dumbledore acts like a dying man throughout the book. And he is dying. And he is dying. So I Don't think I could have identified that as 100% true when I read this the first time, but it's shocking that Dumbledore dies, but it's not surprising. Dumbledore, I think, from Sorcerer's Stone, is the most doomed character Oh, he has to die. He has to die for the plot to come to a satisfying conclusion, because you have to remove him so that Harry can be the only one facing Voldemort, and that there's no... Like, Dumbledore ex machina to, right. like, bail him out. And this, I mean, this trope of kind of a spirit guide that gets you to the threshold of your hero's journey and then has to leave you. Yeah, he's Obi-Wan or whatever. Yeah. Saying, if you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. It's just, it's, and he's old. I mean, I don't know, maybe that's a dumb thing to say, but usually quite elderly characters who play a really significant role in getting young hero characters pretty far along their journeys, part of the journey is the old guy dies. Yeah. And sort of leaves you to your... Or old woman. No, you're right. But, I mean, like, fucking Aunt May dies. And Uncle... No, I mean, fucking... What's the uncle's name? Uncle Ben. Fucking Uncle Ben dies. Uncle Ben dies at the beginning, though. I know, but after giving Spider-Man his, like main sort of reason for being spider-man right the great power great responsibility shit yeah this character dies in books and movies yeah absolutely almost always i actually think it would have been it would have been surprising if dumbledore didn't die yeah i think it would have been a a really different kind of story if you let him survive i remember thinking at the beginning that hagrid was going to die at some point Oh, I assumed we were going to lose Hagrid. I assumed one of the trio was going to die, too. Really? I thought Ron was going to die. I ne- I did not think that she was that cold-blooded. I also had an ex-boyfriend, a boyfriend at the time, who was a dick in a special way. <laughs> and, in a special way? Yeah, I mean, he was he was a trickster. Also kind of a dick, but... He liked, you know, he was this kind of, like, white guy that likes to get a rise out of people. I right. mean, he was, like, a devil's advocate type. Uh, yeah, that's the word I was going to use. Um, But he told me Ron died. He, for, he had, like, had some connection to somebody who had read or knew what happened in Deathly Hallows. Like, oh, no, it was even dumber than that. He was really into the Something Awful threads, which are, like, pre-Reddit. <laughs> and he convinced me that somebody on Something Awful had seen galleys of Deathly Hallows and that Ron died. He like 100% convinced me that Ron died. Wow. I read that whole book thinking Ron was going to die. That kind of tainted your experience of reading that book yeah. a little bit. Yeah, I definitely was. I was told and 100% convinced that Ron died. So that was weird. Well, anyway, it's it's clever of Rowling to make the means of Dumbledore's death so surprising. Yes, and matter so much. Even though Dumbledore's death feels like something that's preordained. Right. And in this scene, I mean, I guess some of the clues to me that this is how it was supposed to happen or that Dumbledore had a hand in planning this were, first of all, he could have disarmed Draco. Right. You can't tell me that Dumbledore was so weakened 
the greatest wizard on the planet, that he couldn't have wandless Expelliarmus Draco fucking Malfoy. His helplessness here felt like a put on. Mm. And he paralyzes Harry so Harry can't intervene. Well, that could be for Harry's own safety so that Harry doesn't do anything rash. Yeah, but for like 15 minutes, it's just Draco and Dumbledore. To me, paralyzing Harry is a clue that Dumbledore doesn't want Harry to stop these events from occurring. Mm -hmm. And it, it was a clue to me when I was reading these for the first time. Because Dumbledore trusts Harry to do pretty hardcore magic. And he has let Harry fight in almost insurmountable odds before. So this is Dumbledore saying to Harry wordlessly, like, this time, I can't let you be the hero. Because, like, what's about to happen is so fucked up, but it needs to happen. I gotta say, Dumbledore really walks the walk, though. He goes out with dignity here, totally accepting of his fate. He is willing to do what he asks Harry to do in book seven. Well, I do want to talk about what what is he doing here? Is he sacrificing himself or is there a more complicated reason that it's time to die? <sighs> you know, we're going to fill in some of the blanks later on. But so he has wizard cancer or whatever from destroying the first Horcrux. Not the first Horcrux, but one of the Horcruxes, the ring. So it seems like he's dying anyway. And is he just putting it to good use by allowing his death to become this false flag, basically, to get Snape completely in the good graces of Voldemort? I mean, that's what's, that seems like what's happening here. So, like, in that way, he is sacrificing himself, but he's also not if he was going to die anyway. Yeah, I actually think, I truly believe Dumbledore wants to die here. I think Dumbledore has arranged this with Snape partly, yes, to give Snape kind of the ultimate cover in the Death Eater movement. But partly, I think in a really complicated way, Snape is the only person who knows Dumbledore well enough and who Dumbledore trusts enough to do something this fucked up for him. Because this, it seems like Dumbledore could, I mean, this is like weird, it's like a mercy killing almost. Mm. Because Dumbledore seems to be in a lot of continuous pain and the Horcrux magic leaves you really damaged. And I think he's in physical and psychic pain, it seems like kind of all the time. That might, and be, that might be part of it. The potion has now made it worse, has weakened him further. But I think he could probably survive yeah. for a while longer. And I think Snape is the only person he trusts to believe him when he says it's time for me to die. I think Dumbledore is ready to go. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, he sort of kills two hymns with one stone. (laughs) (laughs) And is kind of like, this is a great opportunity for Snape to prove his loyalty to Voldemort. But this is also a great opportunity for me to eat it. It's truly brilliant cover because Voldemort would never assume that someone would die willingly. Yes. Even to take him out. It's so true. Voldemort doesn't, he can't, Voldemort can't conceive of someone willingly sacrificing themselves, which is the same thing that happens in the seventh book with Harry. Voldemort can't wrap his head around Harry coming to him willingly. So, I mean, this is a, this is brilliant tactics from Dumbledore. Right. And Snape, frankly. Mm -hmm. Right, because the agreement and also the actual trust that they have between them is something that Voldemort can't conceive of. Yes. Voldemort will never feel about someone the way Snape and Dumbledore feel about each other. He will never just believe in someone or have them believe in him. Right. Even though he asks people to die for him all the time. Right. But it's such a... Like he must just like think they're chumps. Yeah, or I think he does. I think people, he thinks that people, I mean, the thing that's so flawed and wounded about the Death Eater movement is that he has no respect for his followers. Right. So inevitably, that kind of a movement breaks down. Hopefully. <laughs> Usually. <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, that is a fatal flaw in an organization. I mean, think about, like, if we think of the Death Eaters as, like, a business. Right. The 
leader thinking that everybody that works for him is kind of an idiot for working for him that that's poison to an organization that's one of the reasons that this is a really really poorly run organization Dude, yeah the death, so eaters suck. the death eaters are boneheads <laughs> in this scene they are they call him dumby it's the they're they're villain and I, this is a little bit jk rowling too they're kind of like villain patter is so fucking irritating He's not long for this world, anyway, if you ask me, said the lopsided man, to the accompaniment of his sister's wheezing giggles. Look at him. What's happened to you then, Dumby? Oh, weaker resistance. Slower reflexes, Amicus, said Dumbledore. Old age, in short. One day, perhaps, it will happen to you, if you are lucky. What's that mean, then? What's that mean? yelled the Death Eater, suddenly violent. What was a shame, weren't you, Dumby? Talking and doing nothing, nothing. I don't even know why the Dark Lord's bothering to kill you. Come on, Draco, do it. The thing that I feel saddest about, maybe in this scene, is that Dumbledore has to spend his last moments on Earth listening to these ding-dongs talk. Just like making not even jokes and laughing at them. It's, It's just, he's... At that point, he's probably like, Severus, I can't be around these yahoos anymore. <laughs> Severus, please. Fucking kill me. Kill me so I don't have so to So I don't have to, to listen to bullshit. Fenrir Greyback And like Electo and yeah, Amicus Cara oh, just calling me Dumby. Yeah. What? That's Get not me even, out of here. That's not even a good insult, man. Yeah. They're uh, painfully stupid. Uh, I kind of, in a way, it sort of rings true, though, because it seems like they just feel like burnouts coming back to school and like bullying their like professor that was like mean to them i know it's pathetic yeah and that's why i just i don't think voldemort can win this fight partly because he just is surrounded by ding-dongs yeah they they're just it's just (laughs) it's just like jasper and horace like as far as the eye can see all the way down um (laughs) so there's this moment that she describes as Snape is pulling the proverbial trigger, where Harry gets a look at his face. First of all, just sort of the, if you were like blocking this scene on stage, where the fuck is Harry? He's I don't like, understand yeah, where Harry is. The, I don't know. He's frozen somewhere. Yeah, but he, he can like see people's faces, even though he seems to be watching this from behind. There is some writing here where, I know it's not important, but I don't think Harry should be able to see as much as he can see based on where he has been throne yeah doesn't matter but it (laughs) bugged me a little bit so snape has a look of loathing and revulsion on his face as he kills dumbledore and we know that snape doesn't feel loathing or revulsion toward dumbledore we know in fact that snape probably loves dumbledore more than anyone else alive on earth cares about him trusts him knows him he's certainly the only person he's close to i think that's mutual yeah so what do you think that look is about i mean he didn't want to do this he told dumbledore he didn't want to do it he's pissed at dumbledore for making him do this but the revulsion is he revolted by dumbledore's weakness in this moment no i don't think so i think he's revolted at having to do this because he doesn't want to do it i think he doesn't like dumbledore's plan and yeah but he's gonna do it because He's Dumbledore's guy. I also think it's an inward pointing mix of emotions. I think Snape feels, I think he feels a lot of self-hatred in this moment. Even though he knows it's what he has to do, this is an evil act. Right. Well, and you have to mean it. To you cur- do. To cast Avada Kedavra, he has to pull up. He has to figure out a way to part of him that Dumbledore wants to, to kill die. Dumbledore. Yeah, that's so. true. So, I mean, he's just, Snape is this brilliant emotional chameleon. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just incredible at being able. I mean, he's like a method actor, basically. Alan Rickman, he's like man. fucking Daniel Day Lewis, but in real life, just committing to this role to an extraordinary degree. I do. I mean, it's so funny because this is Dumbledore and Snape are two of our main punching bags, but both of them are so fucking awesome here in this the most important encounter that they ever have. Snape is awesome here dude he's a badass i have to say he's the worst 
but also a badass. It's pretty cool when he's just effortlessly parrying all of Harry's spells, and you're thinking, if he does turn out to be all the way bad, it's like, holy shit, this guy might be more formidable than Voldemort. Like, what the fuck? Well, that's a thing. In these scenes, Snape is definitely scarier than I've ever felt Voldemort was. Yeah, I think so too. He is chilling. Voldemort doesn't make an appearance in this book, which is a credit to this Oh, book. yeah, it makes it way better. Yeah, the, the no thing Voldemort. That, the thing I love about Snape, and also how you know he's not a true villain, is he doesn't fucking monologue. No. Snape doesn't talk it's about like, his shit. I'm not going to tell you what I'm doing. No. Snape is silent in all of this, except to sort of offhandedly be like, also, fuck you, I'm the Half-Blood Prince, so, like, good luck. <laughs> but he does, and this is further complicates Snape's arc. He clearly, truly hates Harry. At least in this moment. And has committed, is going to give his life for Harry and has committed his life to the cause of basically getting Harry where he needs to be. Right. But, he's, but he's he just, fucking hates him. I know. he's So he's just killed Dumbledore, but he's still like beefing with James Potter in this incredibly intense moment. I know. It's like, man, he fucking hated that guy. Yeah, and he fucking hates Harry, and he wants he wants Harry to suffer, I think, even though he knows that he has to ultimately, like, keep Harry going. But I wonder if he feels any remorse for what he has just put Harry through. I, I don't know. Snape is obviously having a lot of feels right now. He is controlling his emotions incredibly well. He is extraordinary at that. Harry should have fucking learned Occlumency from him. He does. He's so good at it. He does break, I think for an instant, when he says, don't call me a coward. Yes, that's such an important moment. So what's that all about? Well, because what he did was the bravest thing a person has done in these books just now. Like, and I can understand him just not being able to tolerate having that act called cowardly by the person that it was for, ultimately. All right. I can understand that. That is like, it's really the only moment Snape breaks. It is. I think sort of in the entire series. I mean, at the end, kind of. Right. But Wait, at the very end. Yeah, like at the end of his life. Mm-hmm. But not even. But he just gives breaking. him memories. Yeah, that's true. You know, I, this is the moment. No, his his facade cracks basically only in this little instant. Because he has no problem basically making everyone in the wizarding world hate him. Yeah. You know, he doesn't care about his reputation. He but has he just alienated cares. everyone that he's ever known, basically. He still this... cares what Harry thinks. I know. In an interesting way. Because Harry is half Lily. Right. But he's also half James. Ah. I know. Snape. Snape. You need therapy, man. Well, <laughs> you got now one. even, now he just killed his best friend on purpose. <laughs> So he's Snape gets back to Malfoy Manor and he's like, it's been a day. I been a bit of a day. I had this thought as I was, I was just sort of trying to imagine like what comes next for Severus Snape on this day. I can't fathom how lonely his life is about to become. And this is the most emotion I've felt towards Snape, which is so interesting because he just committed this act that feels like the ultimate moment of evil. But of course, we know that there's more to it than that. But he also just got rid of the only thread of connection to his true self that he has in the world. I mean, how is he supposed to survive that? Like Snape's grief that he has to conceal perfectly forever. I just, that is gutting to think about. He can't grieve this. And Dumbledore is the person in the universe that he's closest to. And he can't have a single moment to grieve. And he can't talk to anyone about it ever for the literal rest of his life. Dude. I don't know how Snape processes this. I think part of him, because he's such a skilled Occlumens, he sort of sinks into the role. Yeah, that's what To where I'm he's like actually feeling... The fucking method bad guy. I, I, I don't... I don't know. I don't know the answer to to this. I don't know how Snape unwinds. I just can't imagine how Snape is going to cope with the emotions he must be feeling right now. And for all that he's like put Harry through, and I still blame him for that. And I think his actions toward Harry have been unforgivable. But at least he can, you know, take as much as he doles out. He, I just, I'm trying to imagine his 
feelings in this moment and what he's going to do with them. And he just, he's never going to have a confidant or friend or person he trusts or cares for for the rest of his life. That's really, really tragic. Yeah. He's just alone. He's just ensured that he will be psychologically alone and isolated forever. He never gets to have a conversation again that has anything to do with his true self. Because he's going to die in like a year. (sighs) Poor Snape. Yeah. Dude, fuck Snape, but also this is awful. He's a tragic hero. He is a tragic tragic hero. hero. And an anti-hero. Mm-hmm. I think he's more of an anti-hero than a tragic hero. Okay, an anti-hero. But we feel emotion. We feel empathy for anti-heroes. That's the whole point of anti-heroes. Yeah, well, there you go. But, I mean, he is probably the most interesting character in the Harry Potter cycle. By far. I Maybe followed by Albus Dumbledore. Yeah. They're up there together. And, and they're entwined in this interesting way. It's true. And they have this relationship that's sort of unfathomable. Yeah. So what do you think about Snape being the Half-Blood Prince? The yeah. other big reveal. So this is a weird one because I this is such a high key moment emotionally that I didn't really care. It didn't That didn't land with me in particular. I was like, oh, okay. In addition to all of this fucked up stuff, like, fine, I guess that's interesting. What did you think? I liked it. I thought it was... I don't know who I was expecting to be the Half-Blood Prince. I don't think I thought it was going to be Voldemort. I thought it was going to be Voldemort. Mm-mm. Even after the diary? Dude, she repeats... She has like a lather, rinse, repeat cycle on all of her plot devices. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, it's the diary again. I, I liked that it was the Half-Blood Prince. And I like having it in the title because Snape turns out to be this critical character. Basically so, the main character. You know, of the... it's, a, it's an interesting way to showcase the Snape-Harry relationship. And I like this textual relationship that he develops with young Snape that who he reviles in real life. It's like very, you've got mail or something. <laughs> <you know? laughs> it is oh, very, oh yeah, only if Meg mail. Ryan said, I was hoping it wouldn't be you. Fuck. Uh, but... It's an interesting way of developing Snape's character in retrospect. Yeah, I think it's interesting to me that Snape is the Half-Blood Prince. This feels like the wrong moment to learn it, kind of, because I just, my head is too full of other stuff. You're not going to top Snape kills Dumbledore? It just doesn't land. And I don't know how I would plot it differently, but also that's not my job. But I would have plotted it differently. Eh, I like where it goes. I like in that that dueling moment. It just, to me, I was like, ugh, okay, fine like that too like it just felt like too much i kind of wish they had found it out on their own rather Mm -hmm. than snape tell him but no i think it's interesting that it is snape yeah because you're right it is harry gets this glimpse into snape's inner life and cares for him and thinks he's smart and funny and kind of a cool dude but it's also i mean it is kind of fitting with the character of snape in kind of like Snape's one of those guys that's like really good online. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. That's like fucking great to like instant message with, but that you can't have a conversation in person. Not just guys, but people. Yeah. I feel like that's such a high school trope and that actually like totally fits the Snape that I imagine as a young person of like someone who's pretty fun to AIM with. Do we have so many Gen Zers that they're not going to know what AOL Instant Messenger is? AIM was AOL Instant Messenger. It was uh, G-Chat, was, yeah. but AOL. And the only way that just ruled all of high school. Hopefully for, uh, most of for you the old know mil- this. For the old millennials. For the old. Now we have some, there's some youngs who listen to this. Anyway, but can't you just see Snape being one of those, one of those high schoolers that's great and like always has really clever away messages that might have been me frankly okay well maybe you're snapey a little bit i might have been (laughs) i would have written i would have come up with a title like half-blood prince that i put in my textbooks you went by mr von don which was the character that you played in the diary of anne frank oh that was just a that was just an aim handle that was like your screen name into college though (laughs) which is a little snapey that's like dorkier than half-blood prince though it is it's pretty dorky yeah i guess we should talk about draco a little if we must draco draco you are not a killer how do you know said malfoy at once he seemed to realize how childish the words had sounded 
Harry saw him flush in the mark's greenish light. You don't know what I'm capable of, said Malfoy more forcefully. You don't know what I've done. Oh, yes, I do, said Dumbledore mildly. You almost killed Katie Bell and Ronald Weasley. You have been trying with increasing desperation to kill me all year. Forgive me, Draco, but they have been feeble attempts. So feeble, to be honest, that I wonder whether your heart has been really in it. It has been in it, said Malfoy vehemently. I've been working on it all year. Fucking Draco. Fucking Draco. Fucking Draco. Okay, this scene on the tower between Dumbledore and Draco is basically just plagiarized from the sound of music. <laughs> You're just a boy, Rolf. <laughs> Commander, <laughs> I found them. The fucking nuns come out. Yeah. <laughs> We've is... taken the twigs out of their brooms or whatever. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how you would demobilize a broom. Um, you could un like take the spell off of it. I guess Can't so. you remove the flying spell from it? Probably. I don't fucking know how brooms work. Mother Superior, I have sinned. I love that scene, first of all. But yeah, this is such a Captain Von Trapp moment where he's like, you don't want to do this. You're not a real Nazi. And Draco's like, yes, I am. I'm a real Nazi. I'm a big boy and I'm a real Nazi. <laughs> Dumbledore tells Draco, yeah, you're not a killer, Draco. You're just an asshole. <laughs> you're just a garden variety dick. But you're not a murderer. <laughs> yeah. Although, okay, so here's the thing with this. Draco, it's not that Draco isn't a murderer. He's just such a cowardly little shit stain <laughs> that he doesn't want to watch someone die because the necklace and the mead were attempted murder yes those were lethal someone should have died of those yeah he didn't want to come face to face with the consequences he just of his actions didn't want to watch it happen because he's a little bitch i think it's possible that he did that knowing they would fail how could he have known? That or he, just kind of hoping they would fail, or like maybe it works, but then I won't have to like fail to kill Dumbledore. But he had no problem with them killing somebody. Right. I, it it feels very teen. I mean, it's just cowardly. Yeah. So the idea that that Draco isn't a true killer because he can't in this moment save Atticadaver and kill Dumbledore that completely elides the fact that he does a bunch of really deadly shit but just, like, doesn't have the balls to watch it happen. Yeah, I think I think Draco, he knew intellectually what he was doing could kill people, but I do think Dumbledore's right that he didn't, like... You know when you do something and with obvious consequences and then the obvious consequence happens and you're like, oh, I didn't really actually in my mind think that that was going to happen? Yeah, that's true. You know? That's true. Like, I don't think... I don't think... Draco knows what it means to kill somebody, which is what Dumbledore is is telling him. But he still does a bunch of deadly yeah, shit. Yeah, no, I don't think when Dumbledore basically says that you're like a good guy, you're Draco. An, you're in. A, you're an innocent. No, he's not innocent. Fuck that. As, he's not innocent at all. He's also, sixteen, going on seventeen, and he's already an attempted murderer. Yeah. But I feel a bit. I feel a bit for him here. Oh, I. I mean, we always feel a little bit for him because again, he's a child and he's afraid his family is going to die. But this is the kind of thing that Harry wouldn't do. Harry would figure out a way to stop Voldemort from killing his family without doing something fucked. Like, this is just a weakness of character. I mean, I guess that's not a good analogy because Harry would never be in this situation. But Harry doesn't go along to get along ever. Mm -hmm. And Harry doesn't do things that he thinks might be wrong just to fucking, like, you know get through it yeah draco's this is a weakness of character fundamentally i think draco is weak and pathetic here and scared and a kid and dumbledore extends him a, a phenomenal amount of grace yes and draco is lucky as shit because dumbledore doesn't want him to split his soul which is really nice of dumbledore actually yeah this is like a rare instant of dumbledore super looking out for a student <laughs> It is interesting, we've never watched Dumbledore interact with Draco Malfoy before, and his kindness is 
is striking. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, Dumbledore, despite his laissez-faire attitude, actually doesn't want bad things to happen to kids. No, I know. We dunk on him for that, but... But, at the same time... Dumbledore's more of a free-range parent. <laughs> but... They have put the entire school at massive risk here, regardless of whether Draco personally managed to kill Dumbledore. All of the students are now vulnerable to being murdered by Death Eaters who are in the castle. Yeah. So Dumbledore doesn't actually protect anyone here. Well, he has the Order of the Phoenix there. Yeah, who get their shit wrecked. It's truly shocking that the castle's invaded. It's terrifying. And Dumbledore was like, this won't happen, this won't happen, this won't happen. It fucking happened, Dumbledore. So, I guess Dumbledore did not see that coming. I can't tell. He said he didn't know about the Vanishing Cabinet. But he could also be just lying. He's usually lying, at least kind of. Right. Which is an annoying thing about him. It seems like he didn't expect the Death Eaters to show up. Yeah, but what did he expect to happen? I I don't know. But he, he expected someone to show up because he had the order there right but he had like four people like he didn't have the whole order there it was like bill tonks and i think lupin. lupin's hanging around yeah and lupin's weak as shit like lupin's drastically weakened by his assignment he doesn't give hagrid a heads up which would have been helpful this is i read ahead a little bit but Ginny is basically like if we hadn't taken felix felicis we would all be dead so, like, Dumbledore didn't do a great job here. And honestly, Draco did an amazing job. Yeah, this was Harry Potter-esque of him to figure out this vanishing cabinet it solution. It was. It was ingenious. How fucked is it that Montague spent, like, months in limbo? It's a little at- hilarious. It's funny because it's a Slytherin, but that is a creepy-ass experience. Limbo. Yeah, it's also hilarious that that's just like a throwaway. Like, oh yeah, also Montague was just fucking stuck in there for months. Um, I think my final read of Draco, I think, this does not speak well of him, and I don't want to excuse any of his actions, because he knows what he's doing is not right. Yeah, he can tell right from wrong, and he's doing wrong. I don't think, he's not a deep thinker. No. I don't think he ever really thought through what it means to be a Death Eater what the actual consequences of Lord Voldemort coming back would be. And I don't think, I think his dad has the same problem. No, I I think they realize that they were very happy just being rich fucking a-holes in like the old regime. And having kind of like the aesthetics of Voldemort without actual Voldemort around. Yeah. They were like, we like the dark mark and everything, but like the actual guy? No thank you, please. Mm-hmm. So they just didn't Yeah, they I didn't, agree with They that. didn't really like think through their politics. Like, well, as almost everyone doesn't think through their politics. But you know, in, in like... Yeah, no, in a really serious way. In a really serious way. No, I totally agree with you. And I think... You know, it's like, the, just, it's like the people that are like, oh, we should like cut taxes. And then it's like, do you want to cut all the taxes? <laughs> like, yeah. it's like Kansas or whatever being like, what if we just didn't pay for roads anymore? And then people are like, like, that oh, actually, we sort of needed those. Work. Like, maybe you should have like, so stopped at some point. But also, I mean, I think a, a, um, I also think an important point you've made there is Draco's genuinely pretty dumb. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think, he's not a great mind. He figured out this vanishing cabinet thing fine, but yeah, he's not a, he's not a very good thinker. Mm -hmm. So he gets to this point and he's like, my daddy. And Dumbledore has to kind of be like, you're a grown ass boy. Like, think about consequences here for a minute. You don't actually want to do this. This is dumb. And I don't know. I just, I'm very unimpressed with Draco. No, that That's my read. That's my read on I Draco. I think that's a smart read. So this fucking locket is fake and they didn't even have to go into the cave of horrors. And that's sort of interesting, but really annoying. Harry's last reaction of just like, are you fucking kidding <laughs> me right now? God damn it. Yeah. The futility of that is actually crushing in this particular moment in the book. When he knows that the potion weakened Dumbledore to the point that in his understanding, Dumbledore couldn't fight back. And he's like, we didn't even have to do this shit. This is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And it was totally meaningless. This probably is the worst thing that's ever happened to him. Yeah, is this Harry's worst day so far? The sequence of zombies to Dumbledore death. No, 
first finding out about oh, the prophecy. Yeah. So in the span of an evening, not even the whole day, the whole the earlier in the day he was just fucking macking on Ginny. And then finds out Snape told the prophecy to Voldemort, fucked up, sees Professor Trelawney trying to hide her gin bottles or whatever. Disturbing. Um Cave of Horrors, zombies, watches Dumbledore almost die, comes back, Dumbledore does die, Locket isn't even real. That's Harry Potter's worst day. And sees Dumbledore's like battered corpse, like Oh yeah, that's right. He also like base of the touches his body. Oh my goodness. With all all the students must be like, what the fuck? Oh my god. So we're so fucked. fucked. We're so fucked. Yeah, they must be. Poor Harry. What a bad day he's had. Harry Potter and the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. That's true. I think I think the end of Goblet of Fire probably comes close just because Seeing Voldemort come back, he's tortured with the Cruciatus curse. Cedric dies. Pretty Do you think bad. Sirius is sadder for him than Dumbledore? Oh man, I don't think you can parse things no, like that. Death no. is sad in different ways. I don't think he's rank. I don't think Harry is ranking them. How are you? How would you rank it? Oh, I'm not gonna like high fidelity rank like top five Harry Potter deaths. Is Dumbledore sadder or less sad than Sirius? Oh, wand to your head. Yeah. Uh. What's my gut decision? Sirius is sadder. I think Sirius is sadder. Yeah. Because it's a familial relationship. It's its only tie to his parents. And he's younger. Mm-hmm. And and it was sort of his fault. It was sort of his fault. I mean, Dumbledore's death was sort of his fault too, but also like old age. And the fact that people eventually just need to die. Yeah. Yeah. I think Cedric is the saddest one globally not for harry or in harry's life but i think cedric diggory is the globally saddest one which is basically the premise of cursed child so clearly jk rowling agrees with me (laughs) globally saddest death easily hedwig no fred weasley no hedwig you think Hedwig is it no fred weasley's the fred weasley is the globally saddest death followed by hedwig followed by the bow truckles followed by serious Followed by it's Dumbledore. Fred that dies, right? I think, yeah, it's Fred. Okay. Yeah, that's the most upsetting one of all. That's the one that, when I think about it, I still get, like, a gut punch feeling. Yeah. Even though I thought about it hundreds of times. Rowling has done a great job setting up excitement for book seven. This is the mother of all cliffhangers. Oh, for sure. And also, Harry has a quest now. It's also tough to... She's also setting up a huge challenge for herself in book seven... To top this shit? Yeah, because how how can you top Snape killing Dumbledore? And I don't know if she does. I don't actually think she does. I think this is probably the climax of the books. We can relitigate that, uh, and we will. Don't you worry. But I think um, in terms of series structure, though, like, great job setting up the finale. Way to go, J.K. Rowling. These books are just paced really nicely, not just sort of self-contained mm-hmm. but the series pacing is really good especially like you said this is a slow burner and then the heat whatever everything just fucking boils over and gets totally bananas yeah and one thing that i'm apprehensive about though is i actually don't know how we're gonna get through book seven it is so relentlessly intense and sad and fucked up and weird and also kind of boring that I'm kind of nervous about book seven it's and our, literally, like, stamina. It's literally, a lot of it is literally intense. <laughs> Holy shit. No, but it's just, there's no sort of school rhythm to hang our hats on. And I'm, I am, I feel like after I got through this chapter and was really impacted and trying to figure out how to make an episode about it that was also, like, funny... I was just thinking, how the fuck are we going to do this for the entirety of Deathly Hallows? There's plenty of wizard banking in the next book. That's true, so, so that's exciting. we can revisit the well. We can revisit no, that well. No, I mean, obviously we know what we're doing by this point. <laughs> I, I mean, whatever, so. maybe that's debatable. Let us know if you disagree. Please fucking don't. We do this for free. You're fine. But it's about to get high key, is all I can say. Um, Who's your unsung hero? My unsung heroes are... The Hufflepuffs that are all just in their pajamas being very bewildered that Harry runs into while he's chasing after Snape and Draco in the thick of the battle, who I guess were just having such a nice long early summer nap that they completely missed this raging 
battle going on in the rest of the castle. They're just like, oh, oh what? Is something going on? <laughs> <laughs> We're really heavy sleepers in Hufflepuff. <laughs> uh, and I also feel bad for them because their world's about to get fucking wrecked because Dumbledore is gone and there's nobody to fucking protect them anymore. Oh, poor Puffs. It's tough, man. I Imagine know. this is such a blow to the morale of the entire wizarding world. Yeah. As we see, everything fucking falls apart immediately in the next book without Dumbledore. So it's true. Every yeah, all these kids just must be thinking, "What the fuck?" Yeah, my life just got so bad and hard for this fucked up reason. Mine is Hagrid, who apparently can withstand really extreme curses because he's just standing there and like they're glancing off of him and he's like honestly stop and then he runs into the burning building and saves fang like an actual hero hell yeah so yeah i guess hagrid should be a human shield in these battles because he's not even parrying he can't even remember the spell for aguamenti (laughs) he's just like get the fuck at me i'm a giant so hell yeah hagrid This week's episode is brought to you by the Astronomy Tower. Stay away from the Astronomy Tower. Nothing good ever happens there. Seriously. The audiobook clips that you heard are courtesy of Penguin Random House Audio. They are from Jim Dale's performance of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. You can find us on social media. It's fun to do. At Quibbler Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can send us an e-owl, quibblerpodcast at gmail.com. If you happen to listen on Apple Podcasts, please review and rate us if you would be so kind. Wherever it is that you listen, please subscribe so we show up with zero effort on your part in your little feed every week-ish. And next week is the end of the book. We have a newsletter also. Oh, tinyletter.com slash quibblerpodcast. It comes out very occasionally we sent one recently yeah it was pretty good so anyway when they come out they're fun and they're not that often so it's easy next time we're done it's the end we're reading the chapters called the phoenix lament and the white tomb so ba 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 motherfucking it's over thanks amigos severus Please. Snape raised his wand and pointed it directly at Dumbledore. Avada Kedavra! Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your- Dumbledore! He told me enough! He told me you killed him! No. Snape killed Dumbledore. No. No. That's not true. That's impossible. Search your feelings. You know it to be true.